It is nine minutes past ten, and joining us now live in studio, which is very exciting, is Mr. Al Bat. Birding with Bat. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. And that's um, a shame about Vern Gagne. I think a lot of them, at least around my age, will remember Jarrah Speed. Vern Gagne for Jarrah Speed. And he did a lot of uh, TV. My dad loved pro wrestling. He just thought that was in. And he and thought I, it was real too, right? Well, no, he didn't. But he, <laughs> okay, because I would, I would give him a rough time. I said, you know, this is all faked, don't you? And Dad says, do you like movies? And I said, yeah, I love movies. He said, well, you know, some of those are fake too. So <laughs> he just liked all. The, I think he liked the good guys in a white hat and the bad guys because sure. there was a pretty, and there was a fellow by the name of Texas Bob Geigel that was my mom's neighbor, and he was from Algona, Iowa, and became Texas Bob Geigel and became a bad guy. And my mom would always say, he was such a nice little boy. <laughs> I don't understand what went wrong with him. Must have been moving to Texas. Well, I don't think Bob ever lived in. In Texas, but it was Jarrah Speed, uh, uh, Vern Gagne, and Marty O'Neill would bring you Jarrah Speed, and it was oh, it would cure whatever ailed you. It was like snake oil. Was or that something. like Geritol kind of thing, where it sort of? Uh, I I must be too young because you I don't probably remember are. that. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it was uh, eliminated somewhere along the line, and I don't know what it had in it or not. Maybe. But but he was the promoter of that. He huh? was. I think he was uh, the supposed inventor of it. So it well, was. He lived a long life. He was 89, so I guess 89, maybe it helped. And I spoke at a place up in the cities a few years ago where he lived at that time. So okay. So got to talk to him a little bit there. And did you say you went to school with? One of his daughters. His daughters. His name I do not recall, which okay. is terrible. But she married a pro wrestler. I want to say it was Kurt Henning maybe she married. Both his daughters married pro wrestlers. So apparently hmm. it was a. Uh, In the family blood, yeah. I guess. and then and the, the son, Greg Gagne, became a world champ. But uh, Vern Gagne was, as you mentioned, a great football player and also a great wrestler, uh, actual not a pro wrestler, but a real wrestler. So a Minnesota I shouldn't legend. say real wrestler because pro wrestlers are great athletes, <laughs> but it's just, uh, you know, it's... I, I should mention before I forget, uh, TJ, Tom Jessen. Mr. Snake Man, my goodness, has he been busy looking for snakes? Oh, he's what a good guy, TJ yes. is. He said, hi, Al, last-minute note, tell your listeners that fox snakes will likely be seen crawling around by the end of the week. Oh. Usually happens every last week of April like clockwork, so... Uh, I just add check under your bed, I guess, to make sure that there's no fox snakes under there. So. Well, he goes around and looks under a lot of rocks. Apparently, snakes like to be under rocks <laughs> and things because I have never seen more pictures on Facebook than, than of snakes than what Tom Jessen posts because he obviously yeah. looks for them. And uh, your lovely wife, Gail, is in the studio, too, and isn't a huge snake fan, apparently. Not, and no. so we were just laughing and saying, you know, I'm not really looking for them, so maybe that's why I'm not finding them. I used to bring one to school whenever oh, I could, geez. put it in my pocket, and gave me something to do. When I You're kidding, right? My ho- oh, no. Oh, jeez. No, no, <laughs> I, I loved, uh, we call them grass snakes. They're little green snakes. We don't see many of them anymore, but I just loved those things. I put them in my pocket. And I'll bet the teachers around. loved you, too. I, I, well, I tried not to share it too often. I only shared it once. I put it in Mrs. Demmer's attendance book, <laughs> which was which was wrong. I yeah. shouldn't have done that, and I still feel guilty about it. But uh, she didn't react at all. Well, she was probably a bright teacher then. Yeah, because she was. I talked to her about it years ago. I said, did you ever find a little green snake? Was that you? She said, I, 
It scared me half to death, but I wasn't given whoever did it. <coughs> I just wasn't going to make their day by screaming. She said, I had Louis Myrie, who was our custodian, came in. And I, I said, he didn't hurt it, did he? And she said, no, he released it out back. So well, it's that, good to that know was that. my big concern. <laughs> that, you know, the robins have migrated back here now, and they've had three snows on their tails. So that so uh, that means spring is here for spring sure? Spring should be here. Okay. It, it should be. Uh one of the sad things is spring makes it appear as as road ditches are the natural habitat for garbage. Oh, I saw yes. folks out uh, today and yesterday out picking things up, and that's that's nice. Uh, this season changes holes into bumps and bumps into holes. Uh, I had boy this morning. I was stepped outside, and a woodpecker was hammering on a tree. Just that. <laughs> and when it comes to headache inducers, uh, nothing gets through. It's thick head and I watched a female robin Gail and I have one right outside my office window and she's carrying nesting material to the site and she puts it in place and then she wiggles it into shape just gets in there and wiggles around with her beak or, or with her or she, uh, or she her takes whole her whole body, body so she's yeah. shaping it to her comfort it's They're, like a select comfort bed or something it's <laughs> molded to you or, fitting yeah, yeah. <laughs> And the robins are very vocal now. Many birds are. Brown thrasher, if you have one in your yard, will be doing an improvisational riff. Uh, They're sort of a jazz bird. And a woman I met at the Lost Island Nature Center near Ruthven when I talked there the other day told me that she loves hearing the different birds while she while she walks, just mm-hmm. loves all the voices. And she said, what a sad world it would be if only one bird sang. Because, uh, boy, that is so true. Uh, John Nelson of Good Thunder said at Chimic he saw a hermit thrush, ruby-crowned kinglet, a white-throated sparrow, and a savannah sparrow, Jim Amundsen, good buddy there at uh, Land of Memories park on april 21st he's at the hawk watch he said uh, really not much at all but he's hoping for a nice day there were no raptors zero nada is this a bad time of year for them to be out or what uh, we should be getting into the really good now on april 26th uh, jim said he saw some broad wings well two of them anyway hopefully a lot more said uh, he and ruth his wife went to the salt lake birding festival uh, that's out by Marietta and Milan in that area. Four broadwings were found Saturday, also two Swainsons. Most of the duck and geese were very abundant, not much for mudflats, so the shorebird numbers were down. They saw 134 bird species out there. Wow. On April 27th, on the scene at Hawk Watch, 166 broadwings, four ospreys, seven sharp shin, three red tails. He said it was a payday for hawk watchers. Uh, this brings the total for the spring to 1,166. If you have postponed your visit to Land of Memories until the broadwings arrive, the next few days should give us good numbers of broadwing hawks. The biggest kettle was 20 birds. Last spring we had one day total of 645. So it's the next two weeks probably that we'll see. Broadway. Now Land of Memories is just down by the river. Is that what, what attracts them is having the, the river nearby? or I would guess that's part of it and then some of it is the thermals where the thermals oh. go so they like that. We were just talking about thermals last night at uh, our, the neighbors. The boys were out playing and and they were blowing bubbles and Grant was talking about thermals the way the bubbles went up in the air and and uh, we were one of the the neighbor ladies was saying something about how it's always interesting how you see a lot of birds that like to hang out in the thermals. Yeah, because it uh, just makes life a lot easier. It's sort for of them. like being on a coaster downhill where you don't have to do any work. That's I exactly right. 
Um, Mary Ann said, has anyone ever observed this behavior while sitting at my kitchen island and gazing out the window, a pair of wood ducks flew out of an oak toward my direction. The hen was carrying an egg in her bill. I wasn't able to get to another window to see where they went. We have seven wood duck houses and many pair. Uh, you know, sometimes woodpeckers will get in there because a wood duck is competition for them. So oh. woodpeckers will peck holes in the eggs. And sometimes other critters might also. But wood ducks can carry it in their mouth? They Seriously? can. Isn't that amazing? I didn't realize that. Yeah. So it's an adaptation that may increase the probability of the successful incubation of undamaged eggs. So, so they, do they actually move physically move their eggs to somewhere They'll else? usually take them out and drop them in water. And then they preserve the ones that are still in good shape. Oh, so shape. they're dumping the, the they're ones. They're dumping okay. the bad ones because gotcha. they realize they're not going to hatch. And they'll stink up the house. They would. <laughs> Sherry Daniel of Minnesota Lake saw yellow-headed blackbirds at her feeder, and she was just beside herself. There were two Sherry Daniels. Uh, Char Hansen said, I have a question. We have a bird we're trying to identify. It looks like a regular blackbird, except it has almost metallic maroon-colored head. It makes the sweetest song. Any ideas? It's a brown-headed cowbird. Oh, cowbird. Char. Hmm. Clinton Meyer of Keister is looking for a beekeeper in the Albert Lee area. Uh, Clinton's a, a, a listener of KMSU, too. He is, too. indeed. For Angela Salmon. And she needs, she wants to be a beekeeper. Oh, wonderful. So if anybody's in that area, let me know. I'll sick you uh, uh, on Clinton or Angela, and we'll get somebody. Because it's, it's a lot of work. Does he, he need anybody in Mankato? Grant, my son, would really love to have bees in the backyard. Boy, talk to Clinton. <laughs> he will set you up. He's uh, he's very enthusiastic. And, and uh, we need a lot of enthusiastic people with bees, the way things are going right now. Yeah. Here's the one I mentioned before we went on the air. Uh, Janet Chandler said this morning a female cardinal in the garden tried to eat an angleworm. Hmm. Angleworm, what a cool name. I never hear that much anymore. We used to call them angleworms. Yeah, they were always angleworms. After apparently swallowing half of it, she dropped the rest. That's about all I can eat of one of those, too. (laughs) And vigorously wiped her bill back and forth on the ground. Yuck. (laughs) They will eat an angleworm. I don't think it's a preferred food for them, and they have to be pretty hungry. But especially when they have young ones, they will eat beetles and crickets and cicadas and katydids and everything else. So even butterflies and moths. what their preferred isn't it seeds and, and berries and things? They like fruit and okay, berries fruit, okay. a lot. Yeah, but they'll certainly eat safflower seeds and oh. sunflower seeds. Trent Robbins said, I noticed a huge wetland area that looks to be almost manufactured by a landowner. I could be wrong, but it seems to be unusually wet for what little moisture we've had. It will be ideal shorebird habitat. It's located just east of Lake Washington, and that's in Lesseur County. Uh, Jack Madsen, I've known Jack for a while, good guy from Mankato, said, Al, I don't know how rare these are. It was over in Rapidan. I should have used my 400-millimeter lens. This is only a 200-millimeter, the cameraman's lament. Uh, also, it was either in bright sunlight or deep shade, tough to shoot, fun, though. I've never seen one in person. Are they sterile? It doesn't look like the eyes are pink. And what he sent me was a leukistic robin. Those oh. are, it's like an albino almost? It is, except they just have some white feathers where they ought to have some mm. color. 
And uh, I have, I actually have a blog. I've had a blog for a long time, except I've never done anything with it. So it's been. <laughs> I think of, I have one of those. Yeah, it's a non-existent <laughs> blog because I get emails all the time saying, "Nice blog." And, and you so say, "Oh yeah, I do on have there. one. I forgot." <laughs> but I put uh, Jack's photo on there. So if anybody, you can just go to albat.com and look for the blog area, and it'll take you there. So uh, if anybody'd like to see a Lucistic Robin. And also, last week we talked about turkey vultures uh, chewing up windshield wipers. Yeah. And I put the pictures of the vultures chewing on windshield wipers on the blog also. Gully. Gully is raising his hand. He's raising his hand. It's like we're in school. I have woodpecker news and observations from Mike Bonner out of Cortland. Oh, sure. I know Mike. Yeah. He says he's missing springtime in England. But he, uh, he noticed a hairy woodpecker, well, he heard a hairy woodpecker first. Uh, he heard a pecking sound that sounded metallic, and it was a hairy woodpecker pecking on his no trespassing sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was interesting. And then he also observed a uh, hairy woodpecker uh, getting uh, seeds from the feeder and going to a branch on a tree, and the, and the, the, the pe- woodpecker would uh, kind of wedge it between the bark, yeah. and then he'd peck at it to yep. open the seed. And then he saw a red-bellied woodpecker Ooh. come in. As soon as the hairy had just opened up the seed, the red would come. The red belly would come in there, <laughs> yeah. swoop him away, and eat the seed. And yeah. he did that like several times. It's a jungle out there. I guess you know? so. it's, it's just like going to Fleet Farm here. You know, <laughs> you find what you want, and then before you get it in your basket, somebody comes along and grabs it and snarls at you and says, "Better luck next time." Uh, he he sends his best wishes to you and oh, your bride. So. I hope he's doing well. He's yeah. a great guy. Bryce Gaudian of Hayward sent me some photos of at least 25,000 blackbirds in a flock. Wow. So, and um, Tony Perschbacher called, and she's from Albert Lee, and she was so excited because she saw an owl in the daytime. She said, how rare is that? We do have barred owls that we will see quite often in the daytime. So it's are uh, they? Do they hang out in trees, or where are they usually from? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and they're the ones that do that, who cooks for you, who cooks for you all. There's a monarch butterfly that was seen on April 17th by Eric Runquist. He's a conservation biologist at the Minnesota Zoo. And this has just set off a storm of emails and people saying what, what it is and why it's doing here. Did the monarch actually come from Mexico? Because that's what it would have to be if it well, got here Well, could it have hatched in somebody's... Home or something? That's what some are saying. Dr. Chip Taylor of the Monarch Watch says the wings are too bright for typical April wings. And for wings of butterflies thought to be returning migrant, it's not impossible, but the wings do seem exceptionally bright. Also, it appears to be a male, which in itself would be remarkable since relatively few overwintering males, let alone females, make it back. Elizabeth Howard said the wings are bright, but when I zoomed in, I noticed how tattered they are. Mm. The date of the sighting is also important to consider Based on historic records, April 17th is a full month earlier than the average arrival date of May 15th. These butterflies are typically first-generation butterflies that originated in the South, and that's typically what we get here, as you mentioned, Karen, the ones that hatch out in Texas or somewhere. Well, now, we this weekend, on, I think it was Saturday or Sunday, we saw a swallowtail, and we thought that was really early to well, be seeing is. a swallowtail, yeah. and you know, it was flitting around the yard, and uh, I don't know where it came from. Do they come from Mexico, or where do they? No, no, they would no. No, they they don't migrate. Where do so. they just hatch in the yard yep. somewhere? Or? Yep. Oh. 
And uh, Dale McClung of the Florida Monarch Butterfly Farm said if this is a re released butterfly has been caged, which is consistent with the damage, the butterfly is unlikely from a field release or wedding as the damage is too extensive mm -hmm. and is too early for releases in Minnesota, but possibly it's an educational kit where butterflies were flying in a confined small enclosure, sure. possibly in a classroom where the instructor waited for a warm day to set the butterfly free but you know nobody knows for sure but so there's really not a whole lot of food for them right now there I mean there's a few dandelions here and there but otherwise it's kind of sparse yeah and it's it, it's just cool if it made it back if it came yeah. all the way it spent <laughs> all winter in Mexico and came back here I'm thinking man that butterfly ought to write a book because it certainly mm -hmm. would have some stories to tell I, I, I need to mention uh, Smith's Greenhouse. I'm going to be at Smith's Greenhouse this Thursday. That's in Fairmont at 6 p.m. If anybody would like to stop and just say hi. It's a wonderful greenhouse, as is every greenhouse. It just, oh, yeah. It's great fun, especially uh, last year was in a number of them uh, speaking, and it was everyone was on a cool day. And you're in that greenhouse, and it's just like you're in another world. It's, it's all this. It's like being a little tropical rainforest because oh. it's nice and warm and, and humid, and yeah. Oh, all this vegetation. You look around. You're thinking, this is this is really really nice. I um, there's a lot of great birds and things to see out there today. Boy, if you just step outside, you're going to start hearing that morning chorus of all these different voices that uh, all God's creatures sing in the choir, and boy, they're all singing out there now. A lot of folks will have catbirds and robins that will be singing at 3 to 4 in the morning. Too early for some people. It's uh, <laughs> too early for a lot of people. I hear that from a lot saying, why do they have to do that? And a fella called uh, right before I left this morning, and I didn't get his name, but he said, why is the robin attacking my window? It's just beating up my window, and ah. you know, what can I do? And well, I'm sure it's a male robin, female will do that occasionally but typically it's a male robin who has an abundance of testosterone he sees his image in the mirror and he just can't tell the difference from a real bird and his image so he's trying to drive this bird away and the only way you can stop him from doing that is to cover the outside of it uh, to cover the inside usually just enhances the image so you need to cover the outside with soap or or attractive cardboard or something like that. But that said, he'll probably move to the next window. I've had him mm -hmm. fight with Gail, and I had a 59 Rambler Classic, I think. And I put baby moon hubcaps on it so it would look like a, <laughs> a muscle car. And we had a robin fight with the baby moon hubcaps. Oh, funny. And I've had birds fight with a rearview mirror. Uh, really? Outside. Just outside a small me. spot like that? Yeah. And, you know, if they're looking for a fight, they're going to find it somewhere. And that's the way some of them are. They just have an attitude this time of year, and they tussle around. And uh, robins fueled by testosterone will tussle in territorial disputes, even if it's just themselves. Uh, they... I guess they must know what they're doing, so I hope it does. I'm looking at a lot of red osier dogwood, too, as I drive around. I know a lot of folks plant those in their yard, and I think it's... The red twig dogwood? Is oh, it? yeah, yeah or red willow. And my dad called it uh, the red veins of spring, and they're one of my favorite plants. I love seeing the yellow in willows. And I love mm -hmm. seeing the red and the red twig dogwood. And it is a 
beautiful landscape plant, I think. It uh, is. Speaking of landscape plants, my neighbor is going to replace all his shrubs because he feels that they've lived 19 years and he thinks they're just getting old looking and he's going to have them all ripped out and plant, have them re-landscape. Well, one of those shrubs has this nice big bird's nest in there that I know that, that somebody's birds are, are using. And so is there a way if we took it out and moved it to another tree, would they follow it or would, are they going to die? Because I feel really bad because I want to save the birds. I don't take that shrub, but they're going to. So. They'd be more likely to follow it if there were baby birds in it. because then so the Even if there was eggs, they won't. Not so likely, but they might. If you don't move it very far, it's very possible they follow it. Typically, if it's just a nest with nothing in there, they won't follow it. They might steal the stuff back and rebuild a nest in the same place that it was originally if that was still there they're uh, pretty stuck in their ways sometimes where they want so to you're saying it basically I, even though i want to save it i probably can't i would sure try it oh, if okay. you don't move it, uh, it what's to be lost i you guess know? you can try yeah. and then hopefully because you never know you never know with birds it's like everything else uh, you never know i have another question uh, regarding that you mentioned Land of Memories Park. I'm thinking of Miniopa Park. Now they're oh. preparing it for the bison to come and they're yeah. putting up fences and everything. Having heard of bison there, will that change the makeup of the environment? Maybe you'll get some different kinds of birds and butterflies and things because I was just thinking how on the farm you'd have cows and if they ever got those grubs, you know, flies would lay eggs and they'd get the grubs under their hides and then certain birds would want to pick those off. Will that attract some different kind of birds and things to the the miniopa park there i'm sure it will it'll um, enhance the prairie probably mm -hmm. so it, you might get more prairie birds i was just working in northwest iowa out in the prairies and i just love hearing the song of the western meadowlark cuts right through that wind and you will get those where there's pasture so maybe maybe we'll get some so, more so, western meadowlarks so meadowlarks are one of them how about killdeer are they more of a Killdeer are pretty much everywhere oh, okay. anymore. I see them nesting around a lot of sewage ponds. I notice them uh, around the, the Rosa Park School, around the ballparks around there, too. Gail and I have been to Rosa Park School. Yep. We didn't even know where it was till we, we found it there and went to it. A beautiful school, and we were happy to be there. So, I, I, I got a message for you from our friend John in New Ulm. He said, Friday night back in New Ulm, when I took my shirt off, he found a wood tick on his left arm. And he used a match and a tweezer to get it out, and he uh, he got it at his dad's place in Andover. So the ticks are out, I guess. They are, and I've heard that from quite a few friends, and I haven't found any yet. And uh, typically, I'm a tick magnet, but I haven't seen any. <laughs> as opposed uh, to a chick magnet? Yeah, as a chick <laughs> magnet, yeah. And I haven't seen any yet, but some years we used to go birding up north, and we'd have a contest to see who could have the oh, most geez. ticks, and oh everybody would throw in a buck. And whoever had the most ticks got the money, and they could go buy DEET with it or something, I you know. <laughs> so it was. I, yeah. I think um, wood tick is a misnomer because I don't know that they're so much in the woods as they are in the grass, isn't that? They're the case? in the grass, and a lot of people think they fall from a tree yeah. onto us. The only way they'd fall from a tree is if they were on a bird or something in the okay. tree and then fell. Otherwise, they're in the grass. And I've been to locations where the grass, it, I would swear every blade had a tick there with its Seriously? little legs out just waiting for somebody to walk by. Well, is it typically in, in yards? Because I know we don't seem to typically in the yard ever get any, it, it's more 
wild grass, isn't it? It is mo- mainly in taller grasses. Okay, so, so keep they your lawn mowed. Yeah, they don't <laughs> they don't like the short grass so much, and it, there's wood ticks everywhere. And uh, we used to say, boy, you only get them in the spring or maybe in the fall, but you know you can have ticks all all summer long. They're just tough, and boy, they are survivors, and they look for us as hosts, so they can get some blood meal for their youngins. So, yeah. and, and you know that they can be very dangerous, those deer ticks, and cause Lyme disease. I've oh. heard a lot of people who have suffered from that. So I know, uh, a, boy, I, seems like a birders. I know fewer and fewer birders who haven't had it. It's just because uh, they're always out in those areas kicking around, so it gets to be... It gets to be uh, quite a thing, but, you know, what do we do that uh, isn't got some health hazards with it anymore? That's right. Well, yeah. anything else, Al? I know we're out of time, but it's always great, especially I, to have Al live in the oh, studio. Oh, hey, thanks. And, uh, boy, everybody, go to albat.com and check out those photos that the good folks sent. And uh, it's fun being on here, and I'm uh, I'm pretty humbled by it because the only thing I can do better than anyone else is to read my own handwriting. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> It's nice being here, and uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and send money in. That's right. If you like programs like Al Bat Show, you know, this is the great kind of stuff that KMSU provides that you don't find anywhere else. Give us a pledge. Call us on uh, 389-5678. That's 507-389-5678. Call us now. We're here. You want to say hi to Al? Al is here, too, so it's always fun to have him in studio. Thanks, Al. We appreciate it very much. We'll see you, well, hopefully another time when you're in town. All right.